On this week's episode of Pivotal Moments with Greg Carlson, Michael and Greg dive deep into the story of an expert in the yoga space, Erica Arche from New Jersey, now local Austinite. Folks, you don't want to miss this episode to see how Erica overcame a slew of travesty and triumph to become the woman she is today. Let's get after it. Well, folks, it's time to kick it off for another episode. And uh, we've got a special guest in the house today, Miss Erica Arche. Hi. <laughs> hello, hello. Thanks, hello. Extraordinaire. Thank you. Thank you Turn for having realtor. me. Yep. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yep. So let's dive right into it because I think I think you've got a story to tell and the world wants to know it. And I think you're gonna help a lot of people for those that listen to this because um because we help others through story. It's one of the best ways to learn. So let's kick it off by asking this powerful question. What's your story? What's my story? Hmm. Well, I am writing a memoir, Ooh. and uh, I'll probably finish in another two or three years. But uh, yeah, I'm a, I grew up in New Jersey. I'm an only child. I'm very imaginative and creative. Uh, I went to art school, went to yoga school. What part of Jersey? Um, Hudson County. Hudson County, where is that? Hudson. North? Um, but yeah, that's North Jersey. North Jersey. North Jersey, right across from the uh, New York City. So, oh my like, god, that's easy. A view of the, the Manhattan easy. skyline. That's cool. Wow. Mm-hmm. My whole life. Yeah. So, artist turned yogi turned realtor. Essentially, that's the that's the gist of my story. Yeah, and when when you grew up in in Hudson County. Mm-hmm. What schools did you go to? I went to the public schools there, and uh, they were in uh, very interesting neighborhoods. Like, what was the name of your high school? Uh, Memorial High School. Memorial High School. Yeah. Okay. And um, everything went smooth, get, like, going through the grades? Oh, like, like, it's, it, yeah, it was, it, it was as smooth as, like, walking through fire and coals and, like, laying on a bed of nails. <laughs> it was that That's, smooth. See how smooth she's just laid it out for you? <laughs> What's that? Uh-oh. What is that? I like uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get these calls constantly and I can't turn transported. them off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. The spaceship has landed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you're so tell us tell us about that. You said it was smooth as walking on fire and, and through shards of glass perhaps. Or, yeah. or, what exactly caused that? Oh, there were some um unfortunate incidents in my early youth uh, as far back as grade school that informed the rest of my years in school and so I went from being a kind of like a gifted and talented student who was uh, still maybe just a, a little smart I'll just say a little smart yeah um, to failing out of grade school um, to not doing well in high school and um then the uh, rest of my journey was pick, mm. trying to pick myself back up and uh, yeah. get myself to a place where I was uh, myself again. Now, without getting too too, too much detail here, right? Because we all want we want to respect everybody's boundaries. Without getting mm-hmm. too much detail, what kind of thought process? What is that journey coming out of that that tough circumstance look like? What, what breaks did you get what, along the way? What breaks did I get along yeah, the to way? Where, to where you were like, you know what? I don't need to live like this. I have pet the power. Yeah. So just yeah. put it, you know, what, what was your pivotal moment that you decided to say, this is not for me. I'm going to do something else. There were many, thank you. There were many pivotal moments. And I think um, initially when, when some circumstances, some things went down, um, I wanted to leave. 
and I wasn't able to leave New Jersey. So I think um, at the end of high school, I was able to leave New Jersey and move to a different state. And that shifted a lot for me because I was in a different environment, different people, different energy. Mm. I was able to be by the ocean a lot, which I mm. find the ocean mm. to be very healing. Um, so that was a, a really beautiful turning point. And uh, through lots of lots of practice and good people around me, I was able to uh, get back on my feet. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, that takes a lot of cojones to go on your own, especially <laughs> in this, this time, right? Like, yeah. there's so many things that are known that a lot of people are very scareful. I'm sorry. I got to turn this off. The spaceship is yeah. going back up. <laughs> I got to turn this off. No, it's fun. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, nowadays it's, it's a lot of, you ask a lot of people if they are willing to do you know, jump overseas or go to another country. And a lot of people are hesitant now. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's so much stuff going on in the world that back in the day when I was raised, it's like, uh, just go wherever. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, you can hitchhike, right? Right. Mm -hmm. It was cool. Yeah. You can't even do that anymore. My mom used to hitchhike when she was a teenager. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was safe. And if mm -hmm. you knew everybody, everybody knew everybody. Now there's a lot of things that you know, yeah. you're not able to do. Yeah, so. it's, it's very different. I think the, the safety, like the feeling of safety is uh, not there anymore, um, which is unfortunate because there are definitely other countries where, you know, children can walk to school alone and not be harmed. It's just yeah. uh, maybe one day we'll get there in this country. Mm. So you moved to Florida. Florida. Mm. What, what area of Florida? Uh, I lived um, on the southwest side, so I lived in Naples, Florida. Okay, yes. I was yes. Bonita Springs, Fort Myers, that whole area. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, really beautiful. I love the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. Yeah, really beautiful ocean down there. Nice, mm -hmm. nice. So let, let's bring back just just for a second here. You know, you, you got yeah, you get you get involved in a in a, in a interesting circumstance, yeah. and let's say you're to help somebody that might be going through something similar. How, what kind of um, how how would you help them? Like, what would you say? You know, like, because there might be somebody out there listening to this that is dealing with something similar or one step to the left or the right. Yeah. How, how can they help themselves rather? How can, what would you say for them to help um, themselves? I think sometimes things in life happen. Um, and I think when you're younger, mm -hmm. right. And you know, you're, you're an innocent person, mm -hmm. you know, not an adult that, that knows right from wrong. Let's say, you know, just like an innocent when things happen, I think it can be very confusing when um, tragic things happen. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that, it's important to know and understand that you're not alone and that um, nothing mm. is your fault um, and that you can reach out to people, either family or friends or even professionals for assistance. And I think that's something that I didn't do because mm. I felt a lot of shame and I felt like I couldn't go to anyone or tell anybody and but there were ripple effects of that like in in the people that that I was around and mm. it wasn't good at all and so I think that it's important to to reach out to people who can who can help wow yeah. wow and you should right yeah 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 so you're, you're going along through, through high school and then you know you're flunking out almost or something right right you said like you weren't really doing well in school. Yeah, I was just coasting. And, I mean, there was a lot going on. And then Florida. Yeah. And then is that where everything kind of changed for you? 
Um, yeah, 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 it did for sure. Mm. Um, I had been living with my mother until I was 18. And then my mother has a younger sister mm. who is kind of like the black sheep of the family and who said, I'm, I'm taking your daughter and I'm taking her to Florida and she's going to live with me. And so that's what happened. And, oh. she, you know, she, she kind of, she was a person without children and did her best to help me out in like the ways that she could to the best of her ability uh, with what she knew. And, um, I think that my, again, my environment and my circumstances made a big difference. And, uh, that really helped me to start the, like the healing journey. Mm. Dang. Yeah. Dang. It was good. So for how long did you stay in Florida? I was in Florida for six years. Okay. I went to college there. I went to Florida Gulf Coast University. What's their tagline? I don't. What do they say? Uh, they yell at you. Hook them. You know, no, I don't even know. Like okay. I don't even know. It was a, it was a, it was a completely new university when I got there, and I okay. and I was like doing work study for one of the deans, and I like my work study was taking pictures, so I would like photograph everything around campus, which was really so fun. So yeah. that fed into your artistic nature. Yeah, I was taking art. I was taking art classes, and it was the first time I had worked with clay, mm. and I realized that I loved it, and I was a natural. Um, and I took all of the clay classes that I could potentially take at that school. So there were no more. Mm. And I took acting classes for the first time in improv. And that's actually what helped to like get me out of my shell. Cause I was like really, really, really exceedingly like quiet and shy and like internal. And, uh, and then I realized that cause I was working full time at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't living with my aunt anymore. I realized that I couldn't pursue acting and I couldn't pursue theater because I had a full time job. And so I had to kind of like cut that out and then I moved somewhere else. Mm. There you go. On the pursuit of art. Yeah. You moved somewhere else. I moved to Boston and I went to art school in Boston. Isn't Boston one of the greatest art schools there? Um, they have really good art schools yeah. there. I went to the Massachusetts College of Art and Design. Okay. Studied ceramics and sculpture and like stop motion animation. It was, it was really, it was fun. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Met a lot of good creative people. What are you thinking about over there, Michael? No, um, <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, no, it's just like my mom, and we talked about that in another podcast. And my mom is an artist, but by by nature, like mm-hmm. she didn't have to go to school or anything. It's just it was innate in her. Yeah, of course. And um, she's very well known in her community, mm-hmm. and her sisters. Um, also are artists nice. as well. So one they. One of them, they specialize like in sculptures and all that stuff. My mom is more into paintings mm. and stuff like that. So they do displays every so on, not, you know, sometimes around the entire um, city. Oh, I'd love to see their yeah. work. Yeah. So yeah. I'm trying to bring my mom here and eventually we'll, we'll bring some of her art here. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you touched upon like a, a really important word, which is innate. Yeah. Like these kinds of things that are innate within you. It's kind of like bring forth what you have or, or it will kill you. Like yeah. that quote. It's like if it's in you and it's strong and it's in you and it's a calling and it's a pull towards something. It's your duty as a human being on this earth with the short amount of time you have to pursue that. You know, whether you go to school or not. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm really happy to hear that your, your family, like the women in your family have, have allowed that to like flower from them, yeah. you know, from their hearts, their minds, their spirits, Yeah. you know, and that they, they do shows. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you, you moved to Boston mm-hmm. along the way when you're in, in Florida or Boston, did any of those like emotions kind of rear up? 
And then how did you manage them if they peaked from time to time? I had no help. I really, I mean, aside from my aunt who was with me, who did her best to help me, I had absolutely no professional help. So it was, it was extraordinarily difficult. Mm. And I think that I was sad. So sadness was a side effect. I was very sad. Yeah. I was very angry. Okay. Um, so those two emotions mixed together. And I think that was a constant. Mm. And I think that's why wow. I, I saw it. It was daily, day, night, afternoon, wake, sleep. It was with me all the time. Mm. And I think that's why I sought refuge in art because it was therapeutic for me mm. to be able to, things that I wasn't able to or didn't have the ability to put into words, mm. I was able to say through my artwork. Mm. Um, and that was, you know, like a, a little bit of a saving grace that I had a creative outlet for my things. And I was also very athletic. So movement helped me a lot. And, so, and that's how you got into yoga? I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got into yoga. Um, actually, one, one of my exes um, got me into yoga, and uh, that, was, that was also very lovely. Um, and I did it on my own, like every day in college, and I knew, you know, I didn't know much, but I knew that when I practiced yoga, I felt better. And when I didn't practice, I didn't feel so good. Mm -hmm. um, so it was my, like my form of like meditation in motion, prayer in motion, whatever you want to call it. And it, it helped to bring me to a, like a center um, within myself. So I've practiced almost every day, like since my early 20s. Every day. Yeah. Whether it's a little stretch or like a mantra mm -hmm. or an affirmation or a meditation or simply like it's, it's a way of like the way that I move through the world, the way that I move through space. Like it's mm -hmm. the, that's the yoga it's like how I treat people, how I listen to people. That's all like under the umbrella of yoga. Mm. interesting yeah so not just like yeah you know the movements which are also amazing yeah would well, you consider prayer part of yoga then yeah 100 percent. you can do that you can take it out or you can put it in mm. yeah okay. yeah for sure so okay yeah so the, the sadness and the anger would they come in waves and spells or were they yeah they, they would oh yeah so you said they were around all the time all the time but then other in instances it would flood you it would f flood is a good word and then what would ha what was the consequence or like what what was your reaction response to that well i think i was very self-destructive so, um oh. so i think i had a lot okay. of like hard feelings towards myself because i didn't understand like i still didn't have like a grip on like certain some of the things that had happened so i turned like aggression in on myself and um i had one person, thankfully, who was like my rock, a very, very, very good soul, a very good spirit who I leaned on heavily for every single thing. And um, I was, you know, think about like the hero's journey when you have people who come into your path to yeah. assist. Yeah. This is one of those people who came into the, the, my path and who saved, like really, literally like saved my life. You met that person in Boston? In, in Florida. In Florida. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A person. A person. Are you connected with this person still? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. In a very different way these days. Sure. I'm still connected. And I would, I would do the same. You know, if there was a phone call, it's like, I need your help right now. I would fly 2,000 miles and I'd be there. Is this a mentor kind of figure? No, it's, it's someone who I was in a relationship with. Okay. Okay. Got you. But also, yes, yeah, someone who was way more intelligent and learned and you know, all of that than me. So he was a mentor in many ways. Well, that's cool. Yeah. 
Dang. But younger than me. <laughs> hey, really? Hey, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the way he described it sounded like he was much older, no. much wiser. In, in here, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Dang. Yeah. So. Go <laughs> ahead, <laughs> man. Where'd you go? No, no, no. Yeah. So, you know, after you're in Boston and, and doing your, your thing in Boston, um, why did you decide to leave Boston? Um, <clears throat> a few reasons. So, finished college. Yeah. I got a scholarship um, and, and got to stay a little bit longer to do some post-bac study at another college in Cambridge. And we just had graduated out. And we were thinking, like, where do we go now? And there were some things. We? Oh, my, because I was in the same with that relationship. Okay. Yeah. Yep. We went from Florida to Boston together. And um, there were some things that started to happen in, our, in the relationship that was causing a little distress for both mm. of us. And I think it, it was a good idea. And we wanted to just move out mm. of Boston. And so we moved to the North Shore, which is also like a beachy area. What, in, what city? Or, uh, um, Lynn, Massachusetts. In Massachusetts. Yeah, it's gotcha. like right on the beach. Um, That's nice. It was really nice. It was extremely lonely, <laughs> too. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so. Is it that area, like, very vacational that people just go there um, for? A little bit, yeah. It depends on the season, I think, in yeah. the summers, yeah. But, yeah, it was definitely lonely because he he was working full-time and I wasn't working at all. And so I was home alone every day mm. with my demons. And that was really hard. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like if you don't keep your mind busy or occupied on things, yeah, the, these stuff start to creep up, and you start double thinking things that really are not there. Just yeah, right? and that that was definitely a problem I had, and uh, yeah, I just feel really fortunate in my life now that I've I've come such a long way, and I'm I'm very lucky that I've met people that have been very loving towards me, very supportive, very mentoring towards me, people that have like really embraced me and like. And, and through like all of the work that I've done with yoga and self-study and like spirituality and healing, I've been able to come to a place of real like maturity and wisdom. And, um, you know, it was very, very hard one. Like, you know. So when we have um, the demons, so to speak, mm -hmm. okay, we have some choices. We can put a bandaid on it and pretend everything's fine. Mm -hmm. Right. Or we can face them, so to speak. Yeah. What, what would you say is the most impactful way? To face those with love. Okay. Yeah, with love. And how do you? How do? You, is it? Are you talking? Is it self-talk? It can be. It can be. I think there are some exercises. I've I've done a, I've done a lot of these exercises, which have been like self like self-talking, creative role play, like all like all different kind of therapeutic mm. ways to do it. And um, but I think ultimately, like the very like root of it is. That demon is an aspect, it's a facet of who you are. It's not something external. It's a facet of who you are. Mm. And if you look at it long enough and you look at it with enough compassion and kindness, what you probably find is that like, it's big and scary because you've ignored it for so long or like maybe you've band-aided it or maybe you've been using drugs to like, you know, numb it out or like whatever ways that, that we do what we do as human beings. And, mm -hmm. um, and I think when we start to like look at this scary demon and just breathe, look, watch, you might find that it's like, it's just you mm. at the point where you were wounded, whether that was when you were like a child, like an inner child wound, whether you were an adult and that, you know, 
the way to turn and, and there's this whole thing in Tantra of like turning your demons into goddesses or mm. gods. Tantra. Tantra, yeah, like Tantric yoga, not not the kind you're thinking. No, no. And uh, <laughs> it's a different whole different kind. <laughs> and uh but it's like turning your you know, your your wounds into wisdom essentially, or or your demons into gods and goddesses. And it's about like embracing and seeing that you it's just you in a wounded space and embracing that and, and loving yourself and accepting yourself fully. It's about like a radical self-acceptance. And through that, those demons over time eventually become wisdom. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, that's a, it can be like a really quick process for those people who like do like ayahuasca and want to have like really deep experiences or um, it can be like a years and years of experiences you know to get you to that place so would you say that you pretty much what you did is just turn it around you turn it around you, you take that negative energy and put it into positive things yeah which obviously takes time right? yeah it's forming new habits too yeah yeah bad routines you start taking them and say, okay this this doesn't work for me yeah i better include something that's better a better routine yeah and then it's a trial and error right because right. you not the first time necessarily you're gonna you're gonna make it happen right 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 so i can see that that yeah. you trial and error until you say okay this routine works for me right and in yoga we call that pratipaksha bhavana which is in sanskrit means essentially taking one thing and flipping it into something else so if you have these old stories if you have these old beliefs that are only serving to like lower your frequency or lower like who you are as a human being you reflect upon that and then you're like okay like if i'm judging myself right now or if i'm judging that person over there right now I, I can be aware of that I don't want to judge myself for judging myself mm. and like double the judgment or judge myself for judging someone else but I want to be kind and say like oh that is happening again that's happening again that's part of my healing journey I'm aware and then I shift it and I'm like can I find something nice about myself to say about myself or can I find something kind to think about that person that maybe is triggering me in some way? And you have so choice over that. It's you, you start to make better choices and then like literally you, you form new grooves in your brain, but forming new patterns as we know mm. is like difficult. It takes time. So you got to practice. And um, so you form a new pathway and then the more you walk down that road uh, consistently, the easier it is to be there. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so Yeah. Does that answer? Yeah, totally. Thank you for sharing that. That's helpful. Uh, Michael, how do you, what are some tactical ways you work through things like that? Um, that's a good question. To really uh, stare it in the face and break it down and, and, and heal. Um, like she said, is uh, practice and trial and errors. Um, in the past, you know, insecurities as a kid with, especially with girls, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to handle that. And, mm -hmm. and it was very, at a young age, I was very vulnerable, very yeah. um, um, innocent, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't see malice in people. You know, you're, you know, you're in your teens. You don't know anything better. And then you meet this girl that thinks she's the whole world for you. And then she's not what you thought it would it would be mm -hmm. right so that was a crushing moment in my life and one the, no but but like, like the first, that, was it the first one that was the first one the first okay yeah. okay and how old I, are you just curious how old i was probably 17 18 years old Got it. Mm -hmm. okay yeah yep. and um and i couldn't understand why it was happening right mm -hmm. so that 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 kind of like that's a learning in life, right? So you take that and, you know, over the years, you date other people or you communicate and then 
some of those things start to happen the same way or similar. But then on the third one, you're like, okay, I, I know exactly what could be happening, right? So I just turn the tables a little bit, right, in my favor, and then do not get too much caught up in the process. Yeah. Right? Because when you're young, you don't have the experience, you, you put everything in, right? Oh, yeah. That's the problem, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And when you put everything in and it doesn't work the way you want, you're devastated. Oh, yeah, for right? sure. But when you grow up and you learn and, like you said, start looking at things and looking, okay, how can I turn this in a way that I'm not that vulnerable again, right? Yeah. So you don't put yourself out there 100%. You just put yourself up certain percentage to see what happens. Yeah. And, and even when you're in a committed relationship, mm-hmm. I still think that there has to be a level of discretion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Even still. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, you know, it's all different for different people. I think. But like, like, like you said, you learn and you, you know, trial and error, man. That's the way, you know, sometimes, you know, people say, well, give me your advice. Give me like, you're like, well, my advice sometimes is not going to work for you. You got to go through it. It's like, there's a pothole, right? Yeah. And you say, don't walk there because you're going to fall in the pothole. And it's like, well, I can't tell. I'm just going to give you an advice. Right. Don't walk there. But if you do, that's a learning thing yeah. for you, right? It's so, like Groundhog Day. You just yeah, reminded me of that. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to, in my opinion, you have to let people go through the process yeah. and fail. Yeah, it's important. important. And if you're a parent, like that's some important advice too. It's yeah. like love, protect. And I'm not a parent, so I'm yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you give all the advice, all the love. And then eventually you've just got to be like, okay, got to... Better be on a home. Gotta let it be. Um, But yeah, those things can be devastating going back to your story. And then, you know, because you put everything in, there's a huge amount of vulnerability and then there's pain that's associated with it, which is devastating. And um, and it takes a while to build yourself back up and then, you know, it may happen again. But you also made me think of like patterns because we all have our own patterns. It's like, why, like the question, why do I keep attracting this? And then, you know, if it's happening over and over again, it's like the common denominator then is yourself. So it's like, why I'm just going to make something up. Like, why do I keep attracting people who want to use me for money? You know, and that's not my situation, but like, then it's like, well, I have to deconstruct that and go inside and say like, well, what about me? What about me? Is there something because your lesson is going to come to you softly? It's going to yeah. come to you more difficult than then it's going to hit you over the head. And like, it's going to keep coming until you're like over it until you're through that like trial. And then you can move on to like a different level, which I think is another thing we experience as human beings. Right. It's like, um, you know, things that we attract. And if there's negative things that we're attracting in our lives, what's the why behind it? The good yeah. news is, is that those types of things are, are going to happen. Yeah. And we know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we can prepare ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think we get better if we're conscious and, and have the intent to get better. Mm-hmm. We can. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. And then also like through life's battles and all of the difficult experiences, like is it, can we also still keep our hearts open? You know, because it can be really easy to be like, you know, massive amounts of like protection and then you, nothing comes in and nothing goes out, which is also very sad. So it's like, okay, can you still... Mm-hmm. Keep it open so that even through all of the pain that you've experienced, you know. Yeah. Oh, this one. This one's a good one. I was talking about this with somebody the other day. Mm-hmm. They're like, "No, I'm not going to be like this because people 
are like that or whatever. And now I'm going to close myself off more or less is what they're saying. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, well, that's going to be, it's inevitable. Yeah. No matter who you are, I don't care who, how successful or whatever, you've been hurt by somebody yeah. and it's going to happen. That's yeah. guaranteed. So it begs the question, yeah. right? Yeah. Right? Cause if you can have a choice, you either accept it mm-hmm. or you close yourself off. But we know that closing yourself off is not okay. Yeah. So then what do you do? How do you swallow that? What mindset shift does one need to take to not let that get the best of them? Yeah. What is it? I don't do you know? I just, you, you didn't. <laughs> I want to hear your answer. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I would think is, uh, like you said, it's, it's learning and learning and start to learn a different pattern, how to make different choices immediately when it happens. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, it's going to be very difficult, right? You don't sure. want to make that change, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're like, oh my God, no, this is, this is who I think I am. Mm-hmm. We talked about that in the last podcast. Tell me. You were asking me, yeah. how do you know what I know? It's like, well, I'm to an age that I know who I really am and what I want in my life. Mm. You know, if you talk to me 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I was still doubtful about things. But now it's like, I know this person is not good for me. Out, mm-hmm. right? I have quicker. that. Yeah, it's quick. It's mm-hmm. quick, right? Before I was, I kind of let it linger. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, maybe she will change or maybe he will change. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that they don't change. That's the way they are, right? And then when mm. you get older, you're like, okay, I don't want that. Next. Bye, Bye. Bye Felicia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's quick. Yeah. Right? So yeah. it's like, you know, like driving a car. If you're like um, into motorsports or whatever, you have the ability to move very quickly, right? In mm-hmm. a curve and, and rectify yourself. If you don't know how to drive very well, you can slip and slide and yeah. hit, hit the curve, right? So that's the analogy that I, I put. It's just, it's just training. And when, once you know exactly who you are, you start, you know, letting those things go very and quickly. And you can gracefully yes. decline. Yeah. Yes. You can gracefully say, no, thank you. I don't want it in my life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get the best of you that way. Because you, you have a, a certain centeredness about you that you've kind of, I don't know. Do you earn centeredness? Do you, how, where does that come about? You know? Yeah, good question. And then grace, that's a great word too. It's like, how do you walk through the world with grace? You know, and not, not just like, like the physicality of it, mm. like the way that you physically walk through the space and people are more graceful that way than others. But like, you like know. Like when someone steals from you, I heard this the other day. Yeah. Because if someone stole something from me, I think my knee-jerk reaction would be like, that's messed up. Yeah. That's messed up. I think the, the bigger thinker, or the more, I'll just get to the point here. They said, maybe that person needs it more than I do. Mm-hmm. Like what a way to think about getting stolen from. Right, right. That's huge. And that's less painful on you. Yeah. To think that it's way. Like, you know what? Yeah. You might've needed more than me. Mm-hmm. And you carry on. Yeah. Dang, dude. Exactly. Well, that's a very difficult one to do, yeah. to be honest with you, because the first <laughs> reaction is like, Screw you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am. But, yeah. but what does that say about somebody that can, can just let that slide, right? I mean, that's pretty like, masterful. How develop, yeah. Masterful. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. masterful. Mm. Yeah, it's inspiring. I, um, that goes a hand with, um, it happened many years, and, and it happened with that story I told you, but um, um, somebody that I, uh, they wanted money, or no. And then at that time, I was like, if this person doesn't give me 
the money back, I, I was already aware of it. Like, mm-hmm. like it was like, it was not going to be a big deal. So that's the mindset you have to go up front if you can. Right? Mm-hmm. Abundance mindset. Uh, yeah, There's the more mind, out yeah, there. Yeah. Put it, put it more out, more out there. Mm-hmm. And if somebody comes to ask you something, just be cognizant of what could happen. Just be prepared for it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, you know, get you off guard. Yeah. You're right. And I think that comes with like age and, you know, experiences yeah. and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. Yeah. Mm. Huh. Mm. So Erica, do you have some questions for us? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> no, I think oh, this, this is the first. This is a great, nice flowing conversation. Great. Yeah. great, nice flowing conversation. Um, I think you had asked me something about like, how did I turn things around? And was there like a pivotal moment or something like that? So, I mean, you had talked about like a childhood, you know, heartbreak or like a teenage heartbreak. Um, You didn't really speak about like how you were able to like, I mean, you did say like more and more you were like, you gave a little less, you were a little more like observant of things. Um, So that was part of it. Was there anything else that you were able to do to like, maybe come out of that feeling of that first time? Uh, the first time, no. Uh, I was very young and, you know, that was very depressing. I was very depressed for months. Mm. And, you know, a 17, 18-year-old kid, you know, that doesn't know anything else than that first love or what you think it was love right. and get crushed like that, no. Um, mm. But over the years, you start, like I said, you start kind of like, putting things in perspective and not getting too much deep into the situation. But that, that took years, like, yeah. right. Trial and error. Right. Little so, by little, little by little. And, um, yeah, I'm to the point in my life that, you know, something is not working. I'm just like immediately move on. <laughs> You're like, Mm-mm. yeah, I just don't, I, I don't want to waste my time anymore. Yeah, of course. You know, of course, of course. Because you already know what you really want as a person and what your boundaries are. Mm-hmm. If you understand your boundaries, maybe somebody falls out of those boundaries, you know that you can't force somebody else to do something that they're, they don't do it by nature. Yeah, that, that's a big topic. It's like, okay, as, as a woman, yeah. I have an expectation that I should be treated a certain way you know, by men or let's just say like the person I'm with. Um, And if that expectation isn't happening, I think when I was younger, I would just sit and I would like get like frustrated by it. And now I've learned that sometimes I have to say, you know what, you know, what would feel good for me is if instead of doing this, you would do this. Can you try this? And I find that it's like very helpful, not only in like my personal relationships, but like in every relationship. And when I say like, you know what, let's, let's not do this. Let's do it this way because I think it'll be better for us. And I've never been able to do that before. This is like really new to me, but I'm feeling like very empowered, but I I have felt like you so long. And, um, there's, I'm also the kind of person that like when I'm, I'm emotional about things or I'm thinking about things, I'll turn it in my, in myself and Mm. I won't like, I'll be very non-confrontational about things, but then it'll like eat at me. So I think like part of my objective, like last year and this year is to say what I'm feeling, say what I'm thinking, even if it's uncomfortable. And if that person doesn't like it, great. Not for me. Not for you. Not for me. But you you probably have mastered to some, to some degree, the art of how to um, kind of to say that to that person. It's hard. It's hard because you do it, you know? Yeah. 
That's like, you know, how do you, how do you approach something without like hurting someone's feelings? Like, it's like being mindful, like, is this person sensitive, you know, are, are they reactive or like what, like what could, how, they, how could they potentially respond or react to this? Yeah. And I think that the approach becomes very important of like, mm-hmm. let's say for example, I don't know. Let's say we, we share an office and you eat my lunch like sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, let's just say something like that. And like, you know, and you know, I let you slide cause you're hungry or whatever. And you know, yeah. but it, it starts to bother me. And over time, like I get more and more upset about it. Um, I think it might just come down to like, Hey, you know, there's something that's really important for me, like really important for my heart, for my mind. And I, you know, I really love working with you and being in a relationship with you in this office. And do you have a moment to sit down and speak with me about something that's, that's really, really important to me? And, uh, you know, if you say yes, great, you know, because then you're receptive. Mm. And then I think that the, the next part is, is like no finger pointing, mm. you know, just saying like you give a specific example, like when you eat my lunch I feel disrespected and I would like you instead, if you're hungry, if you're, I'm happy to give you my lunch, but maybe instead give me a text ahead of time. Ask me if I'm going to eat it. And that would make me feel so much better and much more respected. Are you willing to do that? Um, So we think like creating like a flow of statements and questions that is, because imagine that and, and, and instead I go like this, why are you being such a dot, dot, dot? Yeah, yeah. You're like such a horrible person. You're always doing this to me. You know, you're, you know, you're just terrible. I don't want to, I don't even want to share an office with you anymore. You know what? Like that's very different, right? Yeah. Cause you might suddenly be like, I'm attacked. Yeah. I'm feeling defensive. Um, so I, don't know, I feel like the approach makes a difference. But you can't always do that because there's emotions. Sometimes. Yes. And it's like, you gotta like, yes. Wait till those emotions are very soft to like yeah. make the approach. Um, and again, that's not something that always happens, but you do your best. Yeah. And then sometimes people don't respond well, and then you just gotta be like, oh, well, fine. you know, you can't you can't please everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you try your best. Yeah. You should have. Uh, you probably had those experiences here here yeah, at the Greg. office, right? You work constantly with a lot of people here, coming in and go. I'm always eating his lunch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can. <laughs> I'll go get another lunch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Any pivotal uh, experiences uh, that have brought you to a place of wisdom in your life? You know, going from like darkness to light. Oh. oh. <laughs> you know, this one, this one kind of flashed, flashed in my mind uh, the past couple of days, a few times, coincidentally. And I just noticed a pattern of disappointment Right, and it was because of me, because of the way I was being. Right, because mm-hmm. I grew up in a in a household that was very, um, you know, it was like just very like tense and strung out all the time, and the communication was not like that, like you eloquently described. Mm-hmm. It was like the opposite of that, mm-hmm. right? So I didn't um, couldn't couldn't really release things uh, in, a, in a healthy fashion. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I got back from the military and I had a girlfriend at the time, and then we moved to the Bronx. And then, um, you know, I wasn't the best boyfriend. I'll admit it, you know, I was like in a terrible spot because my mom just died. My dad was extremely angry and he was drinking a lot. And, um, and I was just like pissed at life and whatever. Right. Um, so then I had this girlfriend that was in the mix and, um, 
I went to work one day at the restaurant when I was in college. And then I had a gut feeling. I was just like, something was wrong. I could tell something was wrong. So I asked my manager. I said, manager, let me go home. I got to go. I can't explain this. I need to go home. Mm-hmm. So I get there. And the light was on. I could see the light was on in my bedroom from outside. And I opened the, the door to go inside the house. And uh, when I opened my bedroom door, there was two people in my bedroom. And the door opened as if I was the stranger looking in. And that, you know, it's like, you, you can make the choice, right? What are you going to do? How are you going to look at this? Are you going to look at it like the victim or are you going to take, take responsibility? So um, I didn't take the victim mindset. I said, you know, sometimes I don't, I don't blame you. I don't blame her. And, uh, and I, I saw that as like an eye-opening experience. And I asked myself the question, what did I do to deserve this? But not in like, a, again, not in a victim way. Like what, what have I done to set my life up to where things like this occur? And what can I do to change it? Um, and those hard, hard things, if you set your intention to grow from them, because your past can either be baggage or it can be luggage. You get to choose. Mm-hmm. You get to choose. So I chose to make my luggage and grow from it. Um, and then I had a much more healthy relationship after that. Um, and then uh, a, lot of, a lot of growth came from that experience. That's great that you're able to have that, that thought in that moment that could have been very, very, very different. You know? You're very young, right? Yeah. I was 23. Yeah. Well, to, 23. Make, to make that decision at that age is remarkable because at that See. age, you're still figuring it out, man. Yeah. You know, at 23, you're like, you don't know what your life, your left foot is from your right foot. Really, you yeah. still figuring it out. Do you think that is kind of like a starting point that if there is a timeline that brought you to who you are today in terms of like your mindset? It brought. Wait, wait can you repeat the question? So that that particular moment you open the door and you ask yourself the very, very important question, which is a very mature question. And so that is like your your starting point. And if there's a timeline from that starting point till today, would you say that? that particular moment kind of uh, informed your mindset like through the timeline to who you are today. Mm. Mm-hmm. Did you grow from saying. that place? You know what? In a way I did, but mm-hmm. it's not what really put, brought me to, to living a life of, of greatness. It's not mm-hmm. what, what, what that was, was when I was reading books, um, that's what shaped me become who, who I am. Those things are all important. All those like negative experiences, mm-hmm. they're very important. Um, but they're not what kind of propelled me to go upward and forward at the Books. same time. Yeah. Yeah. What's a pivotal book for you? Uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Yeah. Rich Dad, Poor Dad mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by Robert Kiyosaki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's when I got a taste of what life could be, mm-hmm. right? Nice. Where that negative experience, I'll, I'll wrap this part up with, with, with this lesson. That negative experience, all it did was, or what it did mainly was give me a huge amount of humility and gratitude. Because mm-hmm. it's like, if I have the ability 
to get out of something from being that kind of guy to change and still get into relationships and have love after being that kind of guy, you got no other choice but to be humble and grateful Mm. that you have that ability still. Those are two very important words, humility and gratitude. So that's what that did for me. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So do you think that in today's age, people are lacking of that humility or that humbleness? Everything is too self-centered? Oh my God, so much. Not not everybody. Not everybody. You know what I think it is? I think the root cause is the distraction level. Because we're not putting ourselves in these uncomfortable situations. We're not really going out there to experience all that much because we're, we're easily distracted. We have our phones, which is a constant that's distraction. Bad idea. Think about how many hours, right? <laughs> yeah. That's my, yeah. that's my, uh, would be my consensus. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. I think that social media has opened a can of worms for the better or the worst. And uh, right now, I think. Humanity is going through a new change in communication that we're not ready for. Mm. Because think about this, how we communicated for thousands and thousands of years. Not through this. Mm. This is new. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is like 30 years old. <laughs> yeah, if that. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. that. Yeah. So um, we're, not, we're not ready for this. Yeah. Age of Aquarius. Yeah. Everything is transmitted through air now. Yeah. So I think that um, to decouple that from what we are as human beings is very difficult because by nature we are meant to be in communities and interact with each other. And this does the opposite. Mm -hmm. Even think people are connected, but they're not. Exactly. This is, um, I call it, it's kind of a virtual reality. That's not really real. Mm -hmm. People like that were born in this time frame. This is all they know. Yeah. And for them, this is real. Like but, I have followers. I'm, yeah. I'm important because I have followers. Um, but I think you're touching upon something that's really important. I think I read somewhere and I, I don't know the, the exact number, but like uh, in order for like a human being to feel like happy and healthy, we need about eight hugs a day. How many hugs are we getting? How many hugs are we getting a day? Yeah. Like how many real hugs are we getting a day? And then on top of that, like, how, how many times a day do we feel like we're in community that's meaningful and safe and happy and supportive? Like, I think there's just such a lack of that. So people aren't feeling loved. They aren't feeling seen. They aren't feeling heard. They aren't feeling supported. And I think that that is causing a lot of interesting turmoil and energy in, in the world. Jesse Eitzler said that once a quarter, he adds a new habit that's going to be helpful and benefit mm-hmm. his life. Mm-hmm. That would be one of those habits that I think somebody would, would add on there. Hugs. Eight hugs a day, right? Because nice. think about, I mean, yeah. the statistics don't lie. They mm-hmm. have ways to measure that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have got a great point. I don't, I don't hug eight people a day. You hug eight people a day? No. Do you see eight people a day no. during the week? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the big problem, right? right. It's just, yeah. we are, and COVID made it worse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? Now people work from home and if you tell people, let's go back to the office, people are like, why? I worked two, two and a half years at home. Why would I want to go back to the office? So true. So some of the leaders, and my, at least in corporate where I work, uh, they're asking us to go at least three times mm-hmm. a week now. But it's not corporately correct to touch your coworkers. You know, you know what I mean? Like if, you're, if there's like a, like a handbook or something, like touching has to be like, 
there has to be a yes, there has to be consent, and there's got to be a specific way. Like there's just so hey, you know, you walk in the office. Hey, may may I give you a hug? Yes, and ask. Then, yes, I can. Oh, okay, and then <laughs> yeah. you hug, and then you're good. Times eight. I don't know. Oh. You know, I'm I'm in a I'm in a relationship, and I don't hug my partner eight times a day. Yeah, no, you know, and that's also generational. So the people that I, let's say are, I don't see them anymore because you know most of my coworkers are in Detroit. But when I used to be there, I I gave a hug to my CEOs or directors or whatever. Hey, what's up? Yeah. It was, but also you got to remember. Um, I come from the Latin culture yes. that everything's hugging kisses. Warming. <gasps> I have a story about that. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, but, but, but that's, that's, a, that's a case, right? So yeah. the, obviously there were some people who were like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. But most people were receptive. Right. They're like, oh my God, this guy is so friendly. Mm-hmm. Oh, this guy is so welcoming, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And that brings so much power it because does. if you feel that that, per, that person is acknowledging you, mm-hmm. you can ask them for the world and they'll give it to you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's nice. I think it's like, it's getting trickier and trickier to like be human in that way. Yeah. Um, Because there's just so much sensitivity right Mm. now, which is, you know, it's okay. It's what's happening. Um, But the the story about the hugging and being in like, and coming from a Latin culture of like you kiss on one cheek or you do two kisses or three kisses, just depending on like whatever, like big hugs, you know, you're touching on the shoulder. Like it's, it's just very natural. And, um, so when I moved, first moved to Florida and I, I started to go to school there in college, um, I, I don't know, I, got, I found a friend at school, a guy friend, and for some reason one day I didn't have a car. So I was like, hey, I was like, would you mind just like driving me to school, picking me up and driving me to school? And he was like, sure. I don't know. I don't even remember his name. I don't remember what it looks like. I, you know, I have no yeah. idea who he is anymore. And so he drove me and he dropped me off and being from the culture, like he, we parked, I leaned over to like give him a hug and like a kiss on the cheek. And he, <laughs> <He's> like, <"What?" laughs> he jumped back and I look, he's, you know, white guy. And so, <laughs> so I was like, Oh my God. I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, no, no it's just like, I wasn't trying to do anything. I was like, it was just, I was going to give you a hug and a kiss on the cheek. That's what we do. And, um, okay. Bye. I was like, this is what we do. And (laughs) it was just so interesting. It was like that clash of cultures. And it was, I like, we were both kind of like shocked. What just happened? (laughs) Never experienced that before. No, never experienced that after, but that was like pretty funny. Yeah. So Mm. when I moved to Michigan, um, I say it was in 2000. That's Mm. where I got my first job. Mm -hmm. Um, The first person that I met there was somebody from Greece. Okay. Born and raised in the States, but Mm -hmm. their parents were born in Greece. Well, his dad was born in Greece. His mom was born in the United States, but very Greek. So. Um, and they're very similar to the Latin culture. Yeah. So I kind of gravitated when I didn't know anybody in that state, I gravitated to that family because mm-hmm. it was like, okay, this is kind of like being home. Yeah, a little bit. You know, and the they, food's delicious. <laughs> yeah, the only thing that I don't eat for you guys is goat. I just don't like the taste. Uh, and they would, you know, grill this goat in the middle of the uh, the garage. I'm like, oh no, I can't, I can't touch it. You can give me everything else, but don't give me goat. No goat, please. No goat, please. I've tried goat milk. It's very, it's a very different flavor than is cow's it very, milk. It's very strong. Yeah. 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 So that's how I feel with the meat. It mm-hmm. has this weird 
aftertaste and yeah. I'm like, I don't like it. Yeah, it's different. It's like an acquired taste if, yeah. you, if you have the patience to acquire it. Yeah. But if you grow up with it, I'm sure it's, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my story. And um, mm-hmm. the only thing that I was missing is speaking Greek. But I was part, pretty much part of that family. Like That's awesome. his, his parents took me in and it was like every weekend during summertime, they, had a, they have a pool. I don't know if they're still working, but mm. that was the thing. Gather all the family, yeah. the cousins. Yeah. And that's like the Italians do with the cousins, the, the, the grandma, the grandfather, everybody in the house yeah. and, and having barbecue, that's whatever, nice. right? Mm. And then obviously they had these private Greek events where people would go dancing. I learned a little bit of Greek dancing too. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was like, yeah, like being at home. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. a nice experience. Oh, well, it's just like us, like, like Greg's office. Um, I don't think we even knew it, but like many of us are from New Jersey somehow. Yeah. We had wow. like three of us from, from New Jersey and wow. I guess we like sense it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And then we feel like more, maybe more comfortable somehow because yeah. like we're from the same area. So how did you meet Greg? Oh, okay. So, um, I was in the process of getting my real estate license okay. and I was one of my students actually was a realtor and one of my yoga students mm-hmm. here. And she had come to my class with her boyfriend and I was speaking to her boyfriend after class. This is mm-hmm. this kind of a long roundabout story, but. I was like, yeah, I was telling him I'm getting my realtor license. And he was like, she needs an assistant. So she hired me as her assistant. I was her assistant for a very short period of time. And then during that time, I realized like, I don't think I want to be an assistant. Maybe I want to be a realtor, but I still, I will still look for those jobs. Yeah, yeah. So I think Greg had like a, like a job hosting on LinkedIn for um, like a runner Mm. Or like some kind of assistant for the real estate thing. Mm. So I messaged it and I sent my resume on LinkedIn and then I like Googled him and found him and found his email address. And then I emailed him and I was like, Hey, just wanted to let you know that I sent my resume in, you know, looking forward to connecting with you. And he emailed back. And so we went back and forth. I ended up like chatting with him here and he was like, just do the realty thing. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> and, you know, and then it's kind of how I, and, you know, I, I popped around and interviewed with lots of different teams, but I feel like, cause I, you know, all, all of the guys in the office, like we all met for like an hour mm. and I just felt like, this is like, I like, I like this vibe. Like I like this energy. Everybody's pretty cool. And, mm. you know, I guess they liked me back. And so that was the, that's that was a good, the way. That's a good journey because, um, just for the, you guys know out there, it's very difficult to get into uh, industry or some kind of job that you're looking for through these apps. Uh, I'm just going to be honest with you. I agree. Um, you put your resume and it goes to a black box and you don't even know if somebody received it. Mm-hmm. What most companies do, do is that's a formality that they do mm-hmm. because they have to do it. It's part of the process. But they, most of them know who they're going to pick. Yeah, I agree. Up front. I agree. Right? It's somebody internal in the company mm-hmm. that they already agree upon. Mm-hmm. And it, this is just a formality. So my advice for most of you um, is find somebody that has a good connection inside the company that you want to apply for. Mm-hmm. And then let that person help you out directly. 100%. Yeah. That's the way to go. And if it's not the case, do what I did and, you know, just try and find that person online and try and find their phone number, their email address and reach out to them and do it like, like a personal touch like that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what helped is that like, I, I emailed him directly and I was like, hi. Yeah. I'm here. 
<laughs> yeah, I was waving my arms. <laughs> you put a uh, um, emoji like, hey, yeah. I'm here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh my god! I think that was very helpful. But yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. And that actually happened to me when I lived in Boston, and I was working at a museum in Boston, mm. and I wanted to to have a full time job there. I was working part time um, for a minute, and I applied to a position that was like a like an archival position where it's like the people who handle the paintings these ancient paintings and sculptures and then they like painstakingly like uh, restore it restore them i was i was trying to get into the, res the restoration department um because i was like well, I, guess I don't really like doing a lot of kind of work but i think i'd like this work and i was like in my 20s so i was yeah. just trying to figure things out and they interviewed me like three times and i was really confident i was like oh i'm getting mm. this job <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i was like so excited and i honestly like they kind of on the side said like try again next time something comes up you know, we, they, they weren't allowed to say, yeah. you know, that they had already like kind of yeah. chosen someone yeah. before that because it was a formality, but yeah. it was nice to know that yeah. at least are like, come back. Yeah. You know? well, they give you that courtesy because a lot of people were just not, they don't even reply. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. And the human resources director gave me this beautiful, like blue glass vase that was like hand blown by like, I don't know, these, um, glass blowers in Italy mm. and she was like I want you to have this so I felt like really seen and I was like oh thank you and I, I felt confident that I could like apply for something similar like within the company again but yeah. then like we moved so yeah. it didn't happen restoration is probably very a very skilled art form yeah but you have to spend oh, yeah. years and years because you're touching you know a painting or you're touching a sculpture and you got to make it look like nothing happened yeah Exactly. Exactly. So I would start from the very bottom, watching, observing, observing. Um, but yeah, fun stuff. Um, not a restoration person. I am now a realtor. Yeah. Still starts with the letter R. So. <laughs> well, I think yeah. um, I don't have any more questions to you. Uh, do you have any questions more for me? No, but I think it was great. It was great hanging out and yeah. having this this conversation with you on the podcast. I think we should do something again. Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks guys for uh, the podcast. And I think we'll see you guys in another podcast. Yes. Talk to you later. Peace. Peace.